Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who epitomizes those famous words that Jim McKay would utter in the opening of ABC's Wide World of Sports, as he truly experienced the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, as he is the only two men in Major League Baseball history through the final pitch in two World Series Game 7s, once as the losing pitcher and one as the winning pitcher. He had an 11-year Major League career spanning 1956 to 1967, most notably as a member of the New York Yankees, where he led the American League with 23 victories in 1962 and was selected the MVP of the 1962 World Series. After his baseball career, he became a professional golfer. He won the 1980 Midwest PGA Championship, qualified and played in four PGA Tour events in 1981-82. In 1986, he started playing on the senior PGA Tour. It is a pleasure to welcome the subject of a great book, Right Down the Middle, the man who started his career as a Yankee and ended it as a Met, the one and only Ralph Terry to 540 and Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Ralph. How you doing? Hey, great. Mark, yeah. We're really thrilled to have you. You know, it's interesting because you were a standout athlete and student at Chelsea High School in Chelsea, Oklahoma, where you played baseball, football, and basketball. And if I'm not mistaken, the same man coached you in all three sports. As a town legend, he was a one-man year-round coaching staff. He was inducted into the Oklahoma Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 1968. What was the most important thing you learned from Rupert Cross? Well, I think... He was um, a great uh, conditioner, kept us in good shape. He worked us, worked us real hard. You know, we did a lot of laps and exercises and stuff to be in, in uh, good fitness. It's interesting because two of the guys you competed in, in all three of the sports that you played, <laughs> were Mickey Mantle's twin brothers, Ray and Roy. What do you remember about playing against the, your future teammates' twin brothers? Well, they were, uh, we were in the same high school conference. They were a year behind me, and uh, they were identical twins, uh, Ray and Roy. And yeah, you couldn't tell them apart. Uh, you looked real close. Uh, Ray had a little mole on the left side of his <laughs> cheek, and that's all he could tell, of di- tell the difference. They were, uh, they were bigger than Mickey, a little taller, and they were both very fast runners and, uh, they were good all-around athletes, and uh, they both played minor league baseball and for the Yankees. And uh, <clears throat> Ray was a right-hand hitter, and Roy was a left-hand hitter. And uh, <clears throat> Ray uh, could hit the fastball pretty good. He had a little trouble with the curveball. They played. They both played for McAllister, Oklahoma, in the Sooner State League the first year, and then the second year. Um, Roy went to uh, Monroe, Louisiana, in the Cotton States League, Class C, and uh, he hurt his knee real bad, sliding in the second, and that, and that pretty much ended his career. And uh, they, they were both uh, good athletes and really, really nice people. Now, Tom Greenwade was the Yankee scout who found you. What do you recall about your first contact with the scouts and when you eventually signed with the New York Yankees? Well, uh, uh, Greenwade uh, was uh, 
he, he scouted. He signed uh, Mickey Mantle. He signed a lot of a lot of guys. Sturdivant also, I believe, right? Yeah, and uh, he uh, came by uh, one day and he said, uh, "Son, how would you like to play for the New York Yankees?" Uh, you know the, uh, the the big three: Rashi, Reynolds, and Lopat get a little older, and you'd be coming along at just the right time, playing the biggest city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, he was um, he, he was uh, he was a good scout. In those days, they uh, they really scouted, beat the bushes, and scouted the little teams and stuff. And uh, but uh, but they had a lot of uh, what they call bird dogs, guys that would tip them off, that uh, scouts would you know, tell them. There's a good player here or there, you know, about uh, good young players around. But uh, Tom was, um, he was a good scout and a good man. Certainly filled the Yankees up with a lot of talent. We're speaking with Ralph Terry, the 1962 World Series MVP. As an 18-year-old, you played for the 1954 Binghamton Triplets under former Major League pitcher Phil Page. How much did having a former Major League pitcher as your first professional manager ease that transition for you? Well, Phil was, uh, <clears throat> he was, he was, he was really a nice guy. I, I remember, uh, I was having a little losing streak when I first got started. I was I was having uh, trouble with my curveball. They taught me how to a little different way to throw throw a better curveball. And uh, they said, uh, you know, I was worried about getting sent down from Eastern League to uh, uh, you know Class B or Quincy or something. And he said, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, you know, he was he was. He was a good man to play for, you know, and, uh, uh, and Bobby Richards, who was one of my teammates then at, uh, at Binghamton in the Eastern League, and uh, Cal Neiman was a, was a catcher. We had some good, good ball players, and um, it was a good league. One time, um, I like to tell a story about uh, Binghamton is not far from Cooperstown, and uh, the, uh, the American National League annually played a, a game in Cooperstown, to, an exhibition game to raise money for the museum. And uh, so it was a Monday and off day, and it was about an hour's ride away, and I, I got over to, uh, to uh, Cooperstown and uh, down with the Yankee dugout, and I saw the pitching coach, Jim Turner, and he said, uh, he said, let, the, let that kid in. He can sit on the bench, you know, during the game. It's an exhibition game. And he said, sit down at the end of those three old-timers down there. So I sat down at the end, and, uh, and two in the corner on the left uh, were talking hitting, and then there's an old-timer on the right. He had a cane, and a, he had a big old World Series ring on or something. And, and uh, but anyway, we watched the game, and second inning, I thought, well, I'm a pro, you know, and I should introduce myself, and so I turned to the gentleman on my right, and I said, I wrapped her as my name, I'm a pitcher, Binghamton in the Eastern League, Class A, and he said, well, hi, Ralph, Cy Young's my name, Whoa. and and he said, shake hands with with Zach Wheat and Whoa. Ty Cobb. <laughs> oh, 
Wow. That's unbelievable. That yeah. is incredible. That's a great story. Yeah. Oh, you know, and when you look back at your career, it's actually incredible because you continue up the Yankees farm system with, with stops in Birmingham, Denver. You make your major league debut August 6, 1956 at Fenway Park versus the Red Sox. Casey Stengel pencils you in as a starting pitcher. And you, you take a look at that Red Sox lineup, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, here's a rookie pitcher making his first start in the first inning. He's going to have to face Ted Williams as the number three batter. What do you remember most about that first start? And, and were you thinking that, wow, I have to face Ted Williams in my first inning of baseball ever? The, uh, yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was the only time I was ever really nervous uh, in a game. Uh, we came into, uh, I was going to pitch in, uh, in Detroit on a, on a Saturday, and I uh, Got called up from Wichita. I was playing for Denver, and uh, and I was eleven and two. And I called me up, and uh, and Casey was going to going to pitch me against Detroit. And um, it was a Saturday, and then the, the phone rings. We were in the clubhouse. I could hear him talking. And George Weiss, the general manager, said, "said uh, uh, you got to switch pitchers and pitch uh, bullet Bob Turley tonight." Or today, and he said, uh, Casey said, uh, who's running this team from here to you? And uh, George said, no, it's game of the week, uh, you know, with, uh, on television. He said, we, we got to throw, throw a big name after somebody they heard of. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, Casey, so I, we lose, and the Yankees lost six in a row, and then he starts me, starts me in uh, Fenway against Tommy Brewer, who was their ace at that time, and, uh, and they had the biggest crowd they'd had since the 48 playoff game with Cleveland. And I'm warming up in uh, front of the uh, dugout and the uh, home plate where they used to warm up in those days instead of the bullpen. Anyway, and I'm bouncing the ball up there, and I, I couldn't look up. I heard the roar of the crowd, and I, I just, it was the weirdest feeling, you know. And I, I get in the game, and the first pitcher is Billy Goodman, a 300 hitter. Good left-hand hitter, you know, and Yogi's behind the plate. He puts puts a mitt right down the middle of you know the middle of the strike zone, right behind the plate. Puts down one finger for a fastball, and I said, "Come on!" I said, "Hey, this guy's a pretty good hitter, and I should be pitching, you know, outside or inside or curve or something." And Billy Goodman, he's "No, come on, give it to me, give me the pitch again." So I wound up and I threw it, and it just Put the heart of the plate, dead center, right down the center of the plate, strike one. And uh, then it was like the opening kickoff. You know, I was, I didn't have, a, I was never that nervous again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> then, up pretty soon, up I get the first two out, and then up comes Ted Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I walked him on four pitches. <laughs> I'm yeah. being real careful to him. And then, uh, and uh, anyway. Uh, he was uh, he was something special. Williams was pretty good lineup too of the Red Sox. Uh, you go one and two in three games in your rookie season. Following your year, you appear in seven games, making two starts before being traded with Billy Martin to the Kansas City Athletics. What's your reaction to that trade? You know, you you know, scouted by the Yankees, signed by the Yankees, you come up through their farm system. You're a Yankee, and then you're traded. What's your first reaction to being traded to the Athletics? Well. Uh... We, we were on a road trip, and it was uh, the trade deadline, June the 15th, and, uh, and uh, 
it was a Saturday night, and uh, I had to pitch 45 minutes all the batting practice. And there had been rumors about the trades, and I knew that was a kiss of death. I was been trade because I pitched all instead of just 10, 15 minutes. I had to pitch all the batting practice. <laughs> sure enough, after the game, Casey calls me in the office and he said, uh, "Well, we just made a little trade, you know." And, uh, and I said, "Where am I going?" And he said, "You and Billy Martin are going to Kansas City." I said, "Who's involved?" And he said, "You and you and Martin are going for Suitcase Simpson and <laughs> Ryan Dern and uh, you know so forth and." Uh, and he hadn't even looked up. I, I said, uh, so it seems like you gave up a little more than you got, you know. And I, he said, yeah, that Martin's one hell of a player. <laughs> oh, ouch. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so I said, Casey, yeah, yeah, what? He, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out to beat you, you know. Mm. And he said, all right, kid, you go to Kansas City and you'll learn how to pitch. You get to pitch regular, and you learn how to pitch in a small ballpark. And I get traded, and uh, I hadn't pitched much. I go to Washington. I shut out Washington two or nothing. Then we go to Yankee Stadium, the second game, and I walk Mickey Mantle on a three-two curveball, which I thought was a strike. Umpire called the ball. They they never had another base runner on two men out in the eighth, and uh, McDougal doubled, and. Uh, Suitcase Simpson pinch hit and hit a double and beat me <laughs> two to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned you get the opportunity to pitch. You, you, you finished the '57 season four and eleven and nineteen starts for the Athletics. You have a strong '58 season going eleven and thirteen, but you pitched in forty games, making thirty three starts. In '59, after that two and four start in nine games, you're traded back to the Yankees. That following season was your when your career really starts taking off. When you have your first winning record, going ten and eight, one of your best ERAs at that point. What if anything changed? What, what you know, when Casey said you're going to learn to pitch in that smaller ballpark, is that the thing that actually turned your career around? No, I think um, uh, uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Sane was a pitching coach. He was a big help. He, he taught me. Um, uh, a new pitch, a slurve, how to throw a slurve. It was a hard curveball, and uh, it didn't break as much as a big curveball, you know, and it was a little faster speed, and uh, and uh, that it gave me that extra pitch that uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that I really needed. And um, so uh, he, he was a big help, plus uh, getting to know the hitters a little better, and uh, and uh, I just had, had a little better, you know, things got a little better, and uh, little details uh, make a difference, you know. I'm a little better fielder and pick off plays and, and uh, learn the hitter and hitters. And uh, um, then you had to look around, you had Mickey Mantle in center field, you know. Yeah, pretty good team for sure. Uh, we're speaking with 1962 World Series MVP Ralph Terry. 1960, you make your first postseason appearance, two games of the 60 World Series, one start, one relief appearance. The relief appearance is the one that many people remember. Um, it's the one that ended with Bill Mazeroski's walk-off home run in Game 7. I read somewhere 
that the thing that upset you most about that home run is that you let Casey Stengel down, and you actually went and spoke to him about that, and, and Casey gave you some advice afterwards. So walk me through that advice and what that conversation with Casey was after the game. Well, uh, I I felt worse for Casey than uh, you know than I did for myself or anybody. It was uh, he'd had a meeting before the seventh game, and uh, he said, "Boys, uh, it's been a great year. Have a good off season and so forth." And I won't get to say goodbye to you after the game. I have to go on TV and, and with uh, Murtaugh and either congratulate him or him congratulate me <laughs> and. Uh, so we we all felt there'd been rumors about that being his last year, you know, and, and um, I thought he was kind of saying goodbye. And, um, and, and years later, he said uh, when they let him go, he said, "Yeah, I'll never make the mistake of being seventy again." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, but anyway, I go to his office, and uh, he's sitting there with his uh, his shirt unbuttoned and. And he's, he's taken off the Yankee uniform for the last time, you know, I thought about later. And uh, he said, what's up, kid? And I said, Case, I feel bad ending it for you this way, you know. I said, uh, I warmed up uh, five times and uh, didn't get in the game until last. I warmed up on that one mound down there, and it was real steep in the left field. And uh, I get in the game, and it was a real high flat flat mound and my foot come down early and everything I threw was high. I couldn't get the ball down. I even tried to bounce it. And if I'd only warmed up once or twice, I could have adjusted another mound, but I put so much down there in the bullpen. <laughs> and, uh, and they use a lot of pitchers at, at one game high scoring on 10 to 9. And I think, I think there's nobody struck out in that game. I, was, I <laughs> read that. Hitters are having a field day. But anyway, he said, well, how are you trying to pitch to him? I said, well, I knew Maz, Maz Ross was a high ball hitter. I was trying to get the ball down to him. And I I just couldn't get the – I threw one pitch was high, and the catcher, uh, Blanchard, came out. And um, he was catching. And Yogi was in left field. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elson Howard had gotten hit on the wrist in the – Earlier game in the World Series by Bob Friend and, and hurt his wrist and he was he couldn't play. So Blanchard comes out. He says, "You got to get the ball down." He's a high ball hitter. I said, "I'll get it down." You know, I get it down. Well, I got the next pitch down about belt tie and he hit it over the fence. And I said, "I just couldn't get the ball down, Casey." And he said, "Look," he says, "As long as you pitch, you're not always going to get the ball where you want to." He said, "That's a physical mistake." At least you weren't going against a scouting report, and then I wouldn't sleep good at night. Hmm. He said, forget it, kid, and come back and have a good year next year. And you took Casey's uh, advice to heart because in 1961, you go 16 and 3 with a 3.15 ERA in 31 games. 27 of those were starts. You won your first championship when the Yankees defeated the Cincinnati Reds in five games. You also get a front row seat to the Maris Mantle home run race. What are some of your recollections about that magical season? Well, the, the uh, <clears throat> first thing that comes to mind was the press. You know, when they got in contention, it was. Uh, I mean, they were 15 deep around Rogers' locker, you know, and the same questions, you know, as uh, what pitch did you hit? 
you know, did you know it was gone when you hit it? And uh, how do you feel? Do you think you're going to do it, you know, once you have for breakfast or whatnot? <laughs> you know, I just, uh, yeah, it was uh, you know, the same stuff, but he was very patient with them and, and so forth. And uh, it, uh, but it was, uh, it was it was really something special. Uh, you know, they had they really hit some bombs, hmm. and uh, he hit. Uh, uh, I think he hit thirty at home and thirty one on the road, or something like that. He was uh, he had big power. He could hit hit in the upper deck and hit the center field. And, I played with Roger. I played against him in the Eastern League and then the American Association. And I played with him in Kansas City together. And I got traded to the Yankees. And then a year, a year later, there they got him from Kansas City. And uh, I, I remember uh, somebody once said the Yankees made two great trades that set the American League back five years. And the first one was when they got Don Larson and Bob Turley. You know, two great big right-handers from Baltimore, and then when they got Roger Maris. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was special and uh, very, uh, very, very interesting to see him, you know, hitting the ball in the team, the 61 team. They hit uh, 240 home runs. I think it was the most, uh, you know, most in history at that time. And, um, you know, the sad thing about it is Roger Maris was a two-time most valuable player and was a great defensive player. And, and I don't know, he got, he broke Ruth's record and held it for, what, 34 years or so forth, and, and nobody else did it. It's still an American League record. Right. And, and you know, two-time MVP. I mean, he wasn't a one-time fluke. I Means he was a dominant player, and he is not in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of people don't realize that. And he played on all the pennant hitters and never hit higher than six. And then he went to St. Louis and helped him out in his career. But it's, it's a sad thing. He got in a feud with the sports writers, and uh, and uh, you know they wouldn't. He, he wouldn't grant any print print uh, media interviews, and uh, sometimes to vote him in, they left him off. And people don't realize how good of a defender he was, and everyone points to that one season, but you're right. He had two MVP seasons. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, 1962 is your best season of your career. 23-12, and 3.19 ERA, posting career best with 23 wins, 39 starts, 298.2 innings pitched, 177, 170, 176 strikeouts, only 57 walks. Your 23 victories led the American League. 62 World Series, you go 2-1 and one with a 1.80 ERA. 16 strikeouts and 25 innings over the three games against the Giants. You had a little incentive going into Game 7, as you actually heard Joe Graziola say something on the way to the park that day. Do you remember what he said? Uh, we were listening on the radio, and uh, <clears throat> Joe was working the World Series, and... Uh... I think George Kell was another announcer. But anyway, they asked Graziola who was going to win the game, you know, and he said, uh, the Giants will win. Terry's already lost one seventh game. He'll choke. You know? <laughs> so 
So I see Joe at, around the batting cage for the game. I said, hey, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I said, I heard you, you picked me to choke up today, you know. No, I didn't. <laughs> Heck, you didn't. We heard it on the radio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, he said, I had to say something, you know. <laughs> I said, you don't call a guy a choke up. <laughs> Well, you did anything but choke. You went out there and pitched one of the the best games in the World Series. You're the World Series MVP. Put in the words. Put it. Can you put into words the difference when you see Mazeroski's ball going over the fence to end the World Series in one way, and then just two years later that ball settling in Richardson's glove to end the World Series a, a different way? What were those two emotions for you seeing that play out? Well, you know, I was really uh, thankful to get a a second opportunity to pitch in the seventh game and uh, and uh, redeem myself. You know, a lot of guys, that, you know, the, you know, I probably wouldn't have, if I hadn't had such a good year, the, they probably wouldn't have, I would, wouldn't have been anywhere near them now in the seventh, seventh game. But uh, I was, you know, I was really thinking more about the money, the differential, and the winners and losers share, and how much you know? All the all the players and teammates needed the needed the money. Uh, Whitey Ford. I remember when we lost in Pittsburgh. The winners got uh, eight thousand, and and the losers got uh, fifty eight hundred a man. I think it was, and uh, and and they they passed the rule. I think that losers had to get at least six thousand a man. <laughs> Now they get how much they get now. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I was thinking about the money differential. We were always in Pittsburgh. We had a small ballpark, Cincinnati. Well, we were always over the National League. We played a team that had a bigger ballpark, and we get a bigger World Series share. <laughs> but um, I played in uh, seven pennant winners. Hmm. I came up in '56. And uh, won that game, won the broke that losing streak in the stretch, and uh, the and the, the players voted me a um, the players voted me a fourth of a share of the World Series spot. I got twenty four hundred dollars. <laughs> I bought a forty nine Ford and a twelve gauge shotgun and put me <laughs> through college that winter in, in Southwest Missouri State in Springfield, and. Uh, but I didn't get a World Series ring. The Yankees didn't give me a World Series ring, and I'm not happy about that. I didn't think that was fair. I was won a game in the stretch, and the players voted me a part of a share. Not just know you had to play in the World Series. You know that's the way they did it in those days. Interesting. <laughs> so you know what um, you round out your career. Uh, by playing for the Indians Athletics before finishing with the New York Mets. And as a pitcher, you were around three young pitchers coming up, Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, and Nolan Ryan. What were your first you know, thoughts of seeing those three young pitchers and what their potential could be? And there was another pitcher you might have mentioned. His name was Tug McGraw. Right. McGraw had already been there in, you know, in 65, but the, yeah, those three I came I taught him up. how to throw a screwball. Right. You, you taught Tug how to throw the screwball? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. That, that's something I didn't know. So, so you, when you saw those pitchers, what did you think the potential of that staff could be? Oh, I could tell right away. Uh, uh, I remember one of the sports writers asked me um, uh, to pick a couple of young pitchers, you know, that might make the team. And I said, 
Well, you never seen this guy where Jerry Kuzman hadn't done anything, but you know his ball. He's got really some movement on his fastball, and uh, you know it's hard to hit him in batting practice or just in a boy. He really had a tail on his fastball. I said, "You never heard of this guy, but he's really going to be a good one." And the other one was a pitcher named Bill Dennehy. Ah, uh, yeah. Traded and he got they had some arm trouble, and uh, we uh, Seaver. Uh, Seaver was, you know, he was a natural, and then Nolan Ryan, I remember him pitching his first uh, first inning in, uh, in uh, the Astrodome when he was 18. They, it was late in the season, <clears throat> and uh, they brought him in, and he walked the bases full, and then he uh, gave up a little stretch single. Then he settled down and struck out the side. And the last guy struck out was Eddie Matthews uh, on three fastballs. And the next, the third one, he must have struck out, must have missed it a foot. He struck under it. And just, I mean, a blazing fastball. And, and Matthews struck out, threw his helmet down, <laughs> looked over. He said, Jesus, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> you could tell he had never seen anything like it. And uh, they were. Um, there's really something special. Great stuff about that, you know, early New York Mets staff. So after your career, you end up going into golf, and with golf as your priority, you improve quickly. 1974, um, you continue to win some some tournaments in 1980. You win the 1980 Midwest PGA Section Championship. Played five PGA Tour events before competing on the Champions Tour in the late 80s and 90s. I have to ask you this. So which is more gratifying, winning a Game 7 of a World Series or winning a PGA Championship as your second mastering a second career? Which of those two were more gratifying? Well, you know, um, the World Baseball was my first, my talent and, and my love. And it's just, uh, there's nothing like that, you know, in the World Series and, uh, but uh, and then getting to play with the uh, great, you know, with Madeline Maris and Whitey and Yogi and Skyer and Richardson and Kubek and uh, I talked to Richardson and Kubek the other day. You know, there's not many of us left, but 61 team. And uh, but uh, golf was. Uh, I got into golf. Uh, I had a I had a car wreck in the, in the November of. of uh, 57 when I was with Kansas City. And, uh, excuse me a second. And I uh, <clears throat> had a, a fractured hip, uh, and I went off the road and went to sleep at the wheel doing 95 when I woke up and flipped over five times, and and I ended up I ended up in traction for. Uh, Oh gosh, uh, eight eight weeks, and they thought they were going to, have to rebuild my hip. Well, fortunately, I didn't lose circulation there, and then I. So the doctor said, "Well, you play ball again." So, but I, I I got out, went to spring training. I couldn't do my running, you know. I wasn't 100. percent So a couple of the old coaches um, uh, said, "Well, why don't you go to the golf course and uh, and and carry your bag and." Uh, and walk and play golf and get your legs in shape, you know. And, and after after practice, so every day after practice, I'd 
I'd go to the golf course and rent a bag and hit grounders and play till dark. And I got into it as a, kind of as a therapy, and I learned to really like it. And then uh, spring training, you meet a lot of a lot of pros, and uh, and they they'd show you how to cure your slice or get out of a sand trap, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. So I kind of uh, and I. I really, uh, really enjoyed it and showed a little talent for it and then uh, invested in a uh, golf course project over in New Jersey, uh, Rock Citicus, over in Mendham uh, and Burnsville area over by Morristown, New Jersey, and uh, built a beautiful golf course there. And, and um, when the Mets released me, I went to work at the, at the golf course and... Uh, Became a, became a golf professional, and then I uh, played in some regional, you know, uh, PGA uh, events, and then I qualified for the uh, senior tour when I, I turned 50 or 51. I, they had eight spots, and I got in in a playoff, and um, and now I'm exempt, and, uh, and uh, I played... I trout. Uh, I remember I was over at Baltusrol in '57 uh, when Nicholas broke Hogan's record in uh, or '67. Uh, I'm sorry, and um, I'd met him in spring training, and I was watching him. Uh, the Mets had just released me, and I, I, I uh, was watching him hit balls. He said, "You know, sit on my golf bag here and watch this, watch him hit balls or anything." And he said. Um, and Jack, had, uh, he, he, he liked baseball. I think he'd been a catcher in the American Legion when he was younger. And uh, he, he said, Ralph, I'm sorry you're leaving baseball, but he said, you'll really enjoy golf. He said, that golf bag will take you a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it really did. I played uh, a couple of years on the South African tour and played in uh, four senior British Opens and played in Japan and played, you know, traveled got to really travel a great deal and uh and I, and I got I turned 50 and I I I, I got in a playoff and somebody once said uh, what a difference one stroke can make in your life now is exempt and and got to play in all these events I played in 106 wow. senior tour events and somebody said what's the highlights of your career I said I made more than I spent <laughs> uh, an amazing career and your life story is the subject of your autobiography right down the middle the Ralph Terry story available on Amazon Ralph thanks so much for your time tonight we really appreciate it well thank you you're, you're, you really know your uh, history <laughs> remember all that stuff it, it's great reliving it with you and having our listeners hear it right from your mouth so thanks so much we really appreciate it have a great night stay safe in this uh, crazy and troubling time alright well, you know, I'm thankful for God that I can practice, you know, and and uh, and get, you know, stay out of stay out of a lot of a lot big of, crowds, you know, yeah, crowd, you yeah. know. And Kansas, uh, we're pretty fortunate out here. I mean, it's not it's not highly populated, and they come through and they just. <laughs> Wave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay safe. Thanks so much. Ralph Terry, the 1962 World Series MVP.